Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about evangelism. And first, I want to tell you about a story. Uh, Friday is my family's day off. Uh, Sunday is a work day, so it is not my Sabbath. Friday is our family Sabbath, and we try to protect Fridays as our one day of week that we enter rest. And uh, my wife was gone on this particular day, and I was uh, home with the kids. And it was one of those afternoons where everybody is hungry and cranky because they woke up early. And I finally got everybody down for an afternoon nap. And I'm stressed out, and I I go, okay, finally I can sit down and enjoy some much-needed quiet time on my day off. But the moment that I sit down on the couch, the doorbell rings, and it's right next to the kids' room. It's loud, and I'm going, who is at my house in the middle of the day? And I go, and I open up the door, and who is standing there at the door? It's the Latter-day Saints. And they are there with their badges and their ties and their Bible in hand. And they want to tell me about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was gracious with them. I was patient, but I was very annoyed. And oftentimes, this is what we think of when the word evangelism comes to mind. It has a lot of negative connotations some people, when they hear the word evangelism, they think of the, the LDS who go door to door knocking and ringing doorbells in the middle of the afternoon during nap time. Some people relate evangelism to the person on the street corner holding a sign that says, turn or burn, uh, repent, Jesus is coming soon. Some relate evangelism to an experience where they were forced to hear a five-minute sermon or somebody handed them a track at the gas station. But most people associate evangelism with public speaking. I have to communicate something to somebody on the spot. Most people associate evangelism with public speaking. And most people hate public speaking. Raise your hand if you hate public speaking. All right. Did you know, according to a Gallup study, the only thing greater than the fear of public speaking for today's adults is the fear of snakes? Listen, public speaking, more adults have a fear of public speaking than a fear of heights, a fear of flying, a fear of spiders, a fear of tight spaces, fear of anything, which means most of us would almost prefer dangling from the side of a cliff than trying to give the kind of talk we perceive as a gospel presentation to somebody. Most people are terrified of public speaking. And in addition, evangelism training has been done by these aggressive, extroverted people uh, who would be great at sales or motivational speaking. And they teach a method of evangelism that requires a similar personality to what they have. And if that's not you, if you're not an outgoing person, that can be really intimidating, can't it? It can be a little intimidating. And finally, a lot of evangelism training has been heavy on techniques and strategies and scripted questions that work fine for, quote-unquote, professional Christians. But they don't really work for everyday believers uh, interacting with regular people. Many people in the church, they have been trained like a telemarketer. And they're given a script to follow that feels uncompassionate and impersonal. But this morning... I hope to show you a different way to tell others about Jesus. The title of my message today is, You Are a Storyteller Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. 
Because there is a way that you can share Jesus that is unique to you, that is within the gifts that God has given you. And we are all called to share Jesus with people. Here's a word of encouragement that I want to tell you this morning. And if you're taking notes, write this down in your handouts. It's you have everything you need to begin sharing Jesus with others right now. You have everything you need. You are fully equipped to share Jesus with people right now. I've been in church all of my life, and I've been in full-time ministry for over a decade, and I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people come up to me and say, evangelism just isn't my spiritual gift. I I, I, I don't think, uh, I'm going to leave it to others who are more outgoing, who are more eloquent with their words, but evangelism isn't my spiritual gift, so I just don't do it because I'm not good at it. Sharing Jesus with others isn't only for the outgoing individual. We're all commanded to be ready to share with others. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is what he says. It'll be on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Yes, in this verse, Peter says that we're supposed to keep our consciences clear and live a life that is above reproach so that people can see Jesus through our actions, right? We, we preach Jesus with our actions, but he also says that we have to be ready to speak. You have to be ready to use your words. You may have heard uh, this popular quote that I believe is mostly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. But it's this. It's preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Now all the introverts in the room are going, "Mm, amen, pastor. Amen. That's what I believe. Preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Yes. Okay. That might be true. But Jesus didn't only use actions when sharing about God's kingdom. He also boldly shared the truth with his words. How, let me ask you this. How would you have known about a relationship with Jesus unless somebody told you? If you follow Jesus, you have an obligation to communicate the hope that was once communicated to you. To share it with someone else. Don't think that you can leave it to the pastor or the quote-unquote professional Christians. The the, the truth is that God has uniquely positioned you in a particular sphere of influence, whether it be in the workplace or at home with your kids. If you're a stay-at-home mom, God has uniquely positioned you in your sphere of influence with the people that you surround yourself. He's placed you uniquely among relationships that I or other Christians do not have access to. I do not have access to the opportunities that you have. I do not have access to the people and the relationships that you have access to. God has uniquely positioned you in your spheres of influence with your opportunities to share Jesus with others. You are fully equipped to begin sharing Jesus with others right now. And my hope today is that you feel empowered and encouraged to share your faith with others more boldly. I'm going to talk today about the why of evangelism or the what of evangelism. What evangelism truly is supposed to be. 
that it is not a high pressure scenario. You are not in charge of proving the Bible, of convincing people that Jesus is real. You are not in charge of that. Jesus said, I will build my church. And it is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to to cause that person's faith to grow inside of them. But you have a responsibility to plant the seed and to water that seed and to partner with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. So today, we're going to take the pressure off, and we're going to talk about what evangelism really is. And next week, we're going to get a little bit more practical and talk about things that we can do, practices that we can do. I'm going to be a little bit more practical and talk about how to evangelize effectively, how to share your faith with others effectively. So stick around next week as well. Here's three truths about evangelism that I hope eases your mind. Number one, evangelism is an overflow of the Christian life. It is an overflow of the Christian life. The main ingredient for sharing Jesus the way that you were born to share him is simply a genuine relationship with him. You have to have a genuine relationship with him. Here's the, here's the thing. When Jesus is your everything, when he is your source of joy, when he is your peace, when he is your security, when he becomes what consumes your life, he will become what you talk about with other people. He will be what you want to talk about with other people. When I was 14 years old, I was on a summer crew at a camp for a month. And on my way home back from the summer camp, I took the train from Portland back to Seattle where I was heading back home to swim. And on this train, I was with my sister, 14 years old, and I'm reading Romans chapter 1 on the train by the window. And this gentleman comes up to me, and he just asks, asks me, he sees that my sister and I are alone, and he says, oh, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading Romans chapter 1. He goes, what does Romans chapter 1 say? And I don't know what I'm reading. It's Romans. Have anybody of you tried to read Romans? I'm 14 years old, but I knew enough that it was saying, Paul is communicating in Romans chapter 1 that God has created the world and he's left man without excuse because of the creation of the world, that we can see God in creation. And I began to share this with this man on the train. I'm 14 years old. I just begin to share with him what I'm getting from the word of God, that God has revealed himself to all of us, leaving us without excuse. And by the end of this conversation, my sister and I lead this man in a salvation of prayer, and he gives his life to the Lord on the train on the way home from summer camp. This encounter was an overflow of what God was already revealing in my heart. It was an overflow of what he was doing to me as I read his word. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't hard. I didn't prepare anything. The spirit began to move because it was an overflow of my life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. Your identity in Christ is the basic starting point to evangelism, and yet we quickly forget the importance of our relationship with God because of three things. There's three things that pull us away from a relationship with God. Number one, it's distractions. We get distracted. There are things in the world that draw us to them, things that look attractive, that pull us away from an encounter with God, whether that be at night when you know you haven't read the Bible today, that you're feeling, you're feeling empty, you, you haven't been able to hear the voice of, of God for a very long time, and instead of running after God, you turn on Netflix. 
we get distracted. There's a new TV show. They just came out with a new episode. I'm so excited to watch it. And we get distracted. It pulls us away from a relationship with God. The second thing, the first one's distractions. The second thing is difficulties. We experience hardships in life. The money runs low in the bank account. There, a family member gets sick. We get sick. We have a surgery. Uh, we, uh, there's a relationship that's falling apart. Maybe you, 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 you recently are divorced or you were dating somebody and you broke up and now your heart is broken. We encounter difficulties. And when those difficulties arise in our life, what we do is we isolate and we pull ourselves away from God. Instead of pursuing God in those difficult moments, we try to find other things that make us feel better temporarily. It pulls us away from God. Distractions, difficulties. The third thing is disobedience. We sin. And our sin causes shame. We live in this feeling of guilt, thinking, I am not worthy to share Jesus with people. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I keep falling. I keep making mistakes. And we feel ashamed of what we've done. And that shame keeps us away from God. But that is not of God. Shame is of something from the devil. It's something that Jesus came to free you from. He came to, to free you from shame and guilt so that we can continue pursuing Jesus when we fall. But these three things pull us away from a relationship with God. And when we are uh, distracted, when we are going through difficulties, when we are disobedient, we put God on the back burner and suddenly there is no overflow in our life. We have nothing to pour on to people because we ourselves are not getting filled up by the presence of God. Evangelism, first and foremost, is an overflow of the Christian life. We have to remember that our relationship with Jesus makes us priests. What does that mean, pastor? It makes us priests. What do priests do? We've talked about this in the past. Priests have full access to the presence of God, and they're the connection point between God and humanity. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence that dwells within you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He guides you. He informs you and empowers you to share Jesus with other people. In fact, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples about defending their faith, when you're arrested and you stand trial before authorities, this is what Jesus says in Luke 12, 12. He says, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. He's telling his disciples, you have the presence of God living inside of you. The spirit of God lives inside of you. And at that time, he will tell you what you need to say. He will guide you. He will inform you. He will empower you. We have full access to the presence of God, and we are the mediators between God's presence and humanity. What else do priests do? Priests are also mediators and intercessors for the people around them. If knowing that God's presence dwells in you wasn't enough, then remember that God has given you access to even more, and it's the gift of prayer, the gift of intercession. And here's what prayer does. Remember, evangelism is an overflow of the Christian life. And as Christians, we are called to continually communicate with the Father in prayer. And what prayer does is, number one, prayer shapes your attitudes about God and his mission to the world. When you practice a lifestyle of prayer, you naturally become more sensitive to gospel concerns, which opens your spiritual eyes to witnessing opportunities that you might otherwise miss. When you start the day with prayer, 
When you're in your car, on your way to the grocery store, and you are praying, and you're in the presence of God, when you step out of the car and walk into the grocery store, you are not going to miss the opportunities that God has put in front of you. You are going to have a heart that says, God, wherever I go, I want to partner in your mission. I want to partner with you in your mission to the world. Prayer shapes your attitudes about God and his mission. The second thing is that prayer shapes your attitudes about people. Come on, who needs this? I need it. Through prayer, you begin to see people as God sees them. And suddenly your neighbor is no longer just the person who lives on your street or in your apartment complex. He or she is someone for whom Jesus died and he was raised from the dead for. Come on, when 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 prayer shapes your attitudes about people, you walk around the grocery store and you see people as divine opportunities, divine connection points for you to share Jesus with people. Evangelism, sharing Jesus with people is an overflow of the Christian life. Let me ask you this morning. Have you been filled up? Is Jesus filling you up? Do you see people the way that God sees people? Do you see the purpose of your life as meant to fulfill the mission of Jesus, to continue Jesus' mission on earth? Number two, evangelism is storytelling. You are a storyteller. Sharing Jesus with others doesn't require new tools or new skills or techniques. Think of it as simply retelling a story. You are retelling God's story. I'm sure everyone in this room could tell me a story. You could probably tell me the story of your first kiss or your child's first steps or a story about something that happened during your last vacation. And you can come to your spouse at the end of a work day and recount to that person what happened at work. You have a conversation with somebody. And during this conversation, you interject a story that is related to your topic. See, you can tell stories because you know the story. And that's all it really takes to tell a story is to know the story. Storytelling is what evangelism really is. The gospel at heart is the story of God reaching out to the people he made and enabling them to live in right relationship with him because of what Jesus has done on their behalf. Every Christian knows this story. You know this story. And if you feel like you don't know the story well enough to adequately communicate it to others, then go back and listen to our Good News series where we talked about the four pillars of the gospel. It is the story of God that Jesus came to be with you he died to forgive you. He rose to give you new life, and he ascended to give you victory. You can even go back farther and say that you could talk about the fall of, of man in the Garden of Eden, how we were once in right relationship with God, but because of our disobedience, we fell away. And ever since then, we've been struggling to get back to God. But then God stepped in with the person of Jesus. If you don't feel like you can adequately communicate this story, then go back, listen to the Good News series, or read your Bible most importantly, and become familiar with the story of God. Not only is it a telling of God's story, but evangelism is a telling of your story. You have a story to tell. It's the story of how you met Jesus, and it's a great story. Some of you may be like me, and you grew up in the church, 
And I remember being in youth group when I was younger, and somebody would come and be a special speaker, and he would say, I used to be on drugs, and I was shot five times in the chest, and heaven's open, and I met the Lord. And I was like this 15-year-old going, what a cool story. I wish I was shot in the chest five times. I wish I was addicted to drugs. I wish I had some sort of amazing story to tell people. All these people who are fresh out of addiction are laughing at me right now. Now, here's the reality, though, is that some of you have grown in the church. Some of you have grown up in the church, and you feel like you don't have a story. Listen, you have a story. It is a powerful story. It is a story that only you can share. It's a gift that God has given only you. You have a powerful story to tell. Jesus was a storyteller. He told stories about weddings and farming and tending sheep. He told stories about rich people and poor people, about faithful people and foolish people. He took ordinary circumstances that everybody in his day understood, and he used those stories to talk about the eternal God. And most people loved it because everybody enjoys hearing a story, don't they? What they don't enjoy is a sales pitch. People do not enjoy a sales pitch. It's a good thing then that sharing Jesus is not about honing a sales technique. It's simply about retelling a story. When you act like a telemarketer, delivering a spiel and demanding a response at the end, you can expect to be cussed out probably. You can expect hang-ups. But when you simply tell the story of God, And share your own story. The fear begins to disappear. No longer do you feel responsible for proving a point. You're not arguing for why your views are correct and the other person is wrong. And you certainly aren't suggesting that becoming a Christian is going to instantly solve somebody's problems. Here's something that should ease your mind. It isn't your job to prove Christianity. It isn't your job. It's not your responsibility. Jesus doesn't need a defender. The Bible doesn't need a defender. You are not its defender. You don't have to prove anything. You just have to present it clearly. You have to tell the story in a way that people can understand. Evangelism can be just another ordinary conversation with ordinary people the way you already know how to do it. And last thing is this. Evangelism is relational. It's relational. Once I was attending a conference in Laguna Beach, California, and I went with my youth group, and this conference uh, placed a heavy emphasis on sharing Jesus with people by first praying for healing. So I'm a zealous teenager, and I go out with my youth group on the streets of Laguna Beach, and I'm just looking for somebody to pray for healing. And I see this gentleman walking down the street towards me, and he's hobbling towards me. And I approach him. And I said, sir, sir, I kind of stop him. I kind of get in his way. Sir, tell me what's wrong. And he goes, oh, kind of uncomfortable. And he says, well, I was in an accident when I was a kid. And I was in a car accident. And it left one of my legs shorter than the other. And I said, sir, can I pray for you? And he said, uh, no. And I said, well, why not? He goes, well, I don't know who you're praying to. Oh, I'm, I pray to Jesus. Oh, you believe in Jesus. Do you tell me what day do you go to church? And I said, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, you're not a Christian. True Christians go to church on Saturday. Oh, I didn't know that. And he says, I don't want you to pray for me. Get away from me. And he's hobbling away from me. And I'm chasing him down the street. Sir, wait, wait a second. Come back. Come back. And he's going, kind of get away from me, kid. 
and I'm trying to coerce him to sit still for a minute so I can pray for him and he can give his life to the Lord. Tell me, was that relational evangelism? No. I look back on that moment and I think I probably did more harm in the name of Jesus than I did good in that moment because I had my own agenda. I was a telemarketer. I was trying to give him a sales pitch. I wasn't trying to tell him a story. I had no relationship with this person. Evangelism is relational. Sharing Jesus comes in the context of relationships. And when you truly make God the main focus of your life, when he is the overflow, and you see Jesus is the main character of God's story, then you can make him the main focus of your conversations with people that are already in your life, the relationships that you have. You don't even have to go out and find people because they're already there. I want you to imagine for a moment that your life is this line that is constantly intersecting other lines. Each day is a combination of relational intersections or a relational encounters. You wake up every morning next to your spouse intersection. You have breakfast with your kids. You wave hello to your neighbor in the driveway. You chat with the cashier at the grocery store or the barista making your coffee. You have a meeting with people at work. You chat with other parents while your kids have soccer, a soccer practice or a basketball game or dance lessons. And you hang out with people at the lake. All of these are examples of relationship intersections that only you have opportunities that only you are given. It's a unique set of opportunities that only you live out. Each of these encounters represents an intersection. And many of them may not seem very spiritual in the moment. But God does some of his best work in these intersections. If you would be willing to see them as divine appointments then God can do some amazing work in these relationships that you already have. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything extra. Sometimes God asks you to step out of your comfort zone, but use the relationships in your life. Use the intersections that God has already given you. This is a quote from a book. I encourage you to read it. The book is called Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. He says this, We ought to see every encounter as special. Not because each one is sure to end up with someone becoming a Christian or even with an opportunity to share the gospel. It's simply because when you're living that moment alongside an individual whom God has put in relationship with you, whether temporarily or long term, a person he loves, someone who has a place in his story already. At these moments, God is entrusting you for a moment in a relationship, either temporarily or long-term, with this individual. This is somebody that he loves, somebody that he died for. And you have an opportunity to step into their life, even just for a moment, and share the love of Jesus with them in a way that only you can do. Evangelism is relational. I'm going to ask Mary to come up and play as we begin to close. But in order to take advantage of these intersections, we have to be people-oriented Instead of task driven. And this is difficult for me because I am on a mission when I'm at the grocery store. I'm on a mission when I'm on my way on my way somewhere. I don't like being late. I don't like being interrupted. I am on a mission and I don't want to stop and interact with others often. 
If I'm late, Evan, I've, I've got to be somewhere. But that is being task-driven. And God has been speaking to my heart about not being task-driven, but as a follower of Jesus, I am supposed to be people-oriented. I'm supposed to look at people through the eyes of Jesus and understand that this is an opportunity for me to share my faith with somebody. Let me ask, when you are out and about, how do you see people? Do you see people as inconveniences, interruptions throughout your day, like I did with maybe those Latter-day Saints mission missionaries that show up at my door? Oh, what a bummer. Or do you see people through the eyes of Jesus, understanding that this is an opportunity that God has given you, big or small, to share the love of Jesus with them in a way that only you know how. You're a Christian. You have a story. You have relationships. You're all set. You have everything you need to share Jesus with people right now. No new tools, no new techniques, no new skills. God has fully equipped you to do his work here on the earth. And next week, we're going to talk about more of the practical side. What are, what are things to look out for? What are things that I could say? How, uh, how do I posture myself to be ready for these encounters? We're going to talk about that more this week. But I want you this week to be thinking about people in your life that you know who aren't following Jesus, whether it be somebody who lives down the street from you, maybe somebody that you work with, maybe a family member. And begin laying the foundation right now this week by praying for them. By understanding that their faith is something that only the Holy Spirit can cause to grow. You can't argue anybody into faith. You can't do it yourself. It is a work of God. It's when the Holy Spirit removes the scales from their eyes and they see Jesus for the first time. As the Son of God, their Lord and Savior. That is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. So begin this week to pray for those individuals. Write their names down on this handout that you received when you walked in today. Write their names down and begin interceding for them. Because God, I believe, wants to do a work. We can see already when we look around our community that people are hungry for the good news. People are hungry for Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every question. He is the thing that satisfies every desire. It is only Jesus. And we see in our church, our leadership, and the people in our church have have been witnessing. People come to the Lord because they are hungry and ready to receive. Would you be a part of God's mission? Would you be bold and step out in faith and use the opportunities that you have? to speak into the lives of people and share Jesus with others. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence today. I thank you for an opportunity to hear about what you're doing in our community and what you're doing around the world through our church. Would we be partners in that and not idly stand by, let others do the work, but would we step into this identity that you've given us that we share in this inheritance we share in this mission jesus we share in your death and your resurrection we share in the mission that you started when you were on earth god inspire us empower us give us the ability to see people with your eyes in jesus name the church said amen 
Church, I love you. Remember to visit the Compassion Table out in the lobby. And come next week as we continue this talk about sharing Jesus with other people. God bless you. We'll see you next week.